Here's a few exciting scenes from tonight's episode of The Tom Gully Show. How daunting is Valentine's Day to a female? Well, it's daunting to both men and women. And a lot of people feel such pressure today. You know, the card companies, the candy, the flowers, the restaurants, the jewelry stores. And that whole dynamic has changed. Of, I mean, I actually saw an episode of Dick Van Dyke the other night where Laura was going, well, Rob, you're the man. And so I know you're in charge. And I'm just going, gee, what planet are these people from? A kiss of death in a relationship is when someone wants to change another person. I've never had sex with a woman who didn't know we were going to before I did. Now, are guys hard to read? No, they're not. I wouldn't think so. No, they're not. You know, here are some key things that women should keep their, you know, people reading antenna up for. Beware of men who are too charming. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. It's time, America. Mr. and Mrs. North and South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, And get ready for big time radio, friends. It's time for... Wednesday, February 12, 2014, episode 191. I'm Tom Gully, and tonight on The Tom Gully Show. Well, it's love week on The Tom Gully Show, that's right. And as we careen toward the vortex of Valentine's Day, fear not. We've gone to an expert that'll take all the fear and mystery out of your love life. Dr. Leslie Beth Wish is a researcher who has interviewed thousands upon thousands of people regarding the choices and behaviors of their love lives and how it impacts their success in life as a whole and vice versa. Love, life, life, love, you know. Her book, Smart Relationships, can be found at her website, lovevictory.com. So go buy it now. It's on Amazon and some other places too. You get Whatever you can buy a good book, it's there. Uh, so settle back. And enjoy yet another guest, more articulate and knowledgeable, and frankly, with a better speaking voice than mine. But give me credit for asking her on the show while you're being wowed and impressed by the expertise of Dr. Leslie Beth Wish. Tonight on The Tom Gully Show. Ladies and gentlemen, the chief hope of our enemies is to divide the United States along racial and religious lines and thereby conquer us. Let's not spread prejudice. A divided America is a weak America. Through our behavior, we encourage the respect of our children and make them better neighbors to all races and religions. Remind them that being good neighbors has helped make our country great and kept her free. 
Thank you. You're listening to the Tom Gully Show. Uh, what's your what's your what's your radio show? Where are your radio show hosts at? Where are your radio hosts? Where are you at? Where are you at? What's your what's your show? What's it called? Is it the podcast that's non-existent? You know what? When it launches, can I be on? Can I be on? Please, 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 please. Sure thing, crazy lady. Just send an email to Tom at the TomGullyShow.com. Boy, I have never met somebody with a more self-serving, pompous media blowhard that you give Rush Limbaugh a good name. All right. Dr. Leslie Beth Wish is impeccably qualified. She has more degrees than a thermometer in Jamaica. And she's chosen to spend her considerable largesse of acumen helping women find their way in love, the successful and healthy way. So she's probably recommending to most of them that they avoid me like the plague. Her book, Smart Relationships, How Successful Women Can Find True Love, is a must-read for the career type looking to find that final key to happiness. And her site, lovevictory.com, is the place for a constant update and insight on a variety of topics, some of which we might just cover today. Just in time to rescue you for Valentine's Day, we are so glad to have Dr. Leslie Beth Wish with us this evening. Dr. Wish, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. I've got lots of good advice for you guys. Oh, well, good, because we need it. Now, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. I know that for for guys, that's a different sort of thing than for, for ladies. How daunting is Valentine's Day to a female? Well, it's daunting to both men and women. And a lot of people feel such pressure today. You know, the card companies, the candy, the flowers, the restaurants, the jewelry stores. It's really hard because you don't want to go, if you're a guy, you don't want to go overboard and do too much and seem desperate and spend a whole lot of money without any you know, guarantee of an outcome. And if you're a woman, you don't want to feel disappointed. And if you're single, you don't want to feel too lonely. So it, it can really be a lot of pressure. I agree with you 100%. Now, what do you do? Because guys and girls do this. They, they say, oh, don't do anything for Valentine's Day. And then if you don't, sometimes they are a little like, well, why didn't you? Uh-oh, I wouldn't fall for that line. When a woman says don't do anything, in many ways she's protecting herself against getting too disappointed in lackluster effort. Oh, that that is great insight there. Because I've fallen prey to that many a time, and, and it, it never works. Um, now, what you, you gave me a great question, and I should have been asking this years ago. What is the number one dating pattern for women? Well, it's their number one mistake that they make in dating. When I wrote my book, the reason I wrote the book, maybe this will help your listeners trust what I'm having to say. Mm -hmm. I was very, very concerned why so many of today's professional and educated, trained women are smart about work, but not about love. And I did not have as many answers as I thought I needed. So I decided to do lots of research because that's what I do when I get bothered by something. And what I discovered were the mistakes, some of them very serious and often deadly, that women make. And their number one dating pattern mistake is after a breakup, they swear off men. 
Oh yeah, that's that's like the uh, go out and buy a a gallon of chocolate ice cream and you know get a few Danielle Steele novels and just no more men. Now, number one, why do they do this, and what's what's the long term detrimental effect of that? Well, it's not a bad idea to not rush into the next relationship after a breakup because you do want to take some time to find out how you got into it, what were the reasons. Why did you stay so long or put up with what you did? So it is important to do that. But what is dangerous to do is to swear off men, to close your heart. And the reason that is so dangerous is that two main reasons. One, it makes you rusty in reading men for the future. One of the main reasons that women get into such bad relationships is that they misread men. They can't get the signals They often complain that their man started out one way and turned into another, but the warning signs were there. So once you take yourself out of the dating world, you take yourself out of practice in reading people. Secondly, it keeps you a victim. If you become a victim and say to yourself, I'm done with men, I'm moving into a house with all my girlfriends and we're going to get lots of pets and cook different (laughs) things and travel together, whatever, you know. It's not a bad thing to be single. It's not a horrible thing to not have a partner. But what is a horrible and unhealthy thing is to close your heart to the opportunity and possibility of finding someone. That's where the difference is. So in addition to turning yourself away from, you know, learning about reading people, you create a victim status. And what that victim status does is serve as a smokescreen. It prevents you from getting out there again. Well, and it probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, would make it a little more difficult to get back into things because there's a little resentment when you're a victim. There's a little leftover, hey, something happened to me and I haven't necessarily worked through it. I'm still carrying some resentment. So there's that hurdle that the next person's going to have to jump over. And it's your fault rather than looking at themselves. You know, it's a lie. It's really cheating yourself out of life. But because so many of the women in my study felt that they couldn't trust their own judgment, they didn't want to risk breakups again. And there, there is no shortcut to it. You know, a lot of these women felt that a magic wand would be waved and that the current belief is, well, if it's meant to be, it will just happen. But, you know, that isn't always true because if your heart is closed, then you may not know when the right guy does come along. Well, and and you can't just expect uh, always. I'm sure there are people that have met each other and just like two gears, they go together perfectly. But a relationship has a lot of work to it as well. And so if you set yourself in, it'll just happen perfectly. Doesn't that kind of divorce you from the responsibility of working on the relationship? Well, it it does that for sure, yes. And it also keeps you in la-la land thinking that gives you an excuse. Well, I I was ready, but there were just no good men left in my town or in the universe. (laughs) Now, are guys hard to read? No, they're not. I wouldn't think so. No, they're not. You know, here are some key things that women should keep their, you know, people reading antenna up for. Beware of men who are too charming. Charming men listen to you intensely too much. They move their space into your space a little too close. They touch you often when they speak. 
You feel as though you are the most important person, the most interesting person in the room. Those are all tells. This is a person who's working too hard to make you feel special. And that should be a warning sign that this is a man who wants you to overvalue him. Okay, that makes a lot of sense because even as a guy, I can recognize maybe what what might be termed a player or someone that um, is overdoing it, like you say. Uh, Oh, yes. These are the men who often order for you, take you to the best place in town, get you those um, entrance into, you know, those hard to get tickets. It's the too muchness factor that women need to be on the outlook for. Or how about when you hardly know a guy and he buys you really expensive gifts? Don't fall for that. Women, listen to me. Don't fall for that. Keep your legs together and don't go home with him. Yeah. Well, and I'm, we'll we'll get to me in a minute. I mean, I'm the exact opposite. I need a notarized letter from the girl, probably signed by three or four witnesses that says, I like you and we're going on another date. Uh, and the personal space thing, I, I can't even touch another human being without sports or an agreement of some kind. But um, what what's the number one fear of women when it comes to dating? I mean, I know what most guys fear is, and it's real simple because I think men are are ultra simple. I, I don't think we're complicated at all. Um, and that our fear is she won't like me. Yes. Men have three fears when it comes to dating. Rejection, rejection, (laughs) and rejection. (laughs) You got that right. Um, Now, what's what's the number one for women? That they can't trust their judgment, that they've read this situation wrong, that he's really not the right guy for them. And yet, even though they might have misgivings, if they're going through a lonely patch in their life, if they're getting older, if that... Um, pressure from the biological clock is ticking or if they've had a breakup and they want to prove to their ex-boyfriend or or spouse that I can get someone all those are bad reasons to rush into a relationship and ignore those warning signs in your head you are so good at this I'm gonna someday get some some listeners just to leave me voice messages and you can just answer them on the air I (laughs) I cannot tell you how bad I am at dating. Uh, and it's nice to talk to somebody that actually has thought about it and, and done extensive study. Um, what about all of the studies that you've done, uh, surprised you the most in terms of the findings? Well, let, I will happily talk about that, but I want to go back to helping you. Oh, not just, not just you, but men and women, mm-hmm. Dating is not easy. It's so stressful. Women worry too whether they're going to be liked or chosen. So here's my recommendation for what would make great first, second, and third dates. The first thing is to get into a mindset that there's not going to be any sex. Just forget that. And a woman should not even say that out loud because what it does is it puts the idea of sex in the man's mind and he accepts it either as a truth or a challenge. So what women need to do is make sure that you don't go back to his place or your place. Cut the date short in terms of time. Don't take it into, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. But the best thing you can do on a date is not 
go on a date, go on undates, hang out together, go out to breakfast, lunch, make it short, run errands together, hang out, watch to see who gets impatient standing in line, watch to see who gets impatient if you can't decide what to order on the menu. Be yourself. If you've got funny quirks, you know, like um, you are fussy about your food or you can't make up your mind or you eat slobbily or you eat too daintily or whatever, do it. Don't put on your best self forward because that's usually a false self. It kind of goes counter to what people think is the smart thing to do, but be yourself. So instead of going out and you know, spending a whole night talking, why don't you go where you spend the time doing, such as go to a free event in your town, go to a photography show, a art show, a, a boat show, a, a home show, any kind of show where you have to walk around, hang out, learn to manage the rhythm of when you're together, when you're apart, who gets impatient, who makes negative comments, this is a terrible place. These are going to be the important tells. I, uh, you know, my best first date is a uh, cooking class. Great. You got to make something. You have to talk. Then you also find out if this person can't cook, how willing are they to try new things? And if they can cook, well, then you get to see them do something they're good at. But I have the, the first problem I have is actually finding the person to go on the date with, which we can get to in a second. But being older, an older guy. You know, the two of the things you just said resonate heavily with me that probably wouldn't have resonated with the 20 years younger Tom, which is number one, be yourself, because I think you learn after a while that putting forth that incredible level of charm and, you know, your best self, as you said, it just you you have to look at the other person at a certain point if you stop doing that and go, yeah, I did kind of sell you a used car there. It was all shiny when you got it. And this is the way I really am. Uh, and the second thing is the sex. Um, you know, if I just don't, I'm not interested in having sex on a first date anymore. Like I was when I first, you know, it's not, if that's what you're looking for, there's probably, you're, you're not really looking to go on a date. I would agree. Okay. Uh, you should, you should broadcast that on your show. Hey girls, I'm looking for a connection for a relationship long lasting. I'm not going to hustle you. Do you know, I think you might get some phone calls there, Tom. Uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, what's the number one mistake most men make in a date? Well, they put their best self on too. Okay. They're so afraid of revealing themselves. They try to impress it's not a good idea. Be yourself. And that's why I like the idea of undates, including what you just said, cooking dates, anything where you are doing something together. Another idea is hang out with your friends or her friends, get together, watch how that person interacts with your friends, what, what your friends say about you to the other people. It gives you so much more livable information. Well, you know, the problem that I have um, is actually meeting people and I know that the internet has become you know the place to to meet people I just hate it I, I think I find that there's a lot of people that are sort of playing games they're they're really not that serious about actually meeting someone uh, and it's kind of a lot of uh, sport dating they're, they're you know they're just they're doing things what, what do you think the best place to meet someone is or does it just depend on the individual 
life is the best place to meet people. You know, I was not married my entire life. So I was single at some point and I met people all the time in the grocery store, the pharmacy, the dry cleaner, um, just anywhere that you go in, in your everyday life. I used to run a singles group and the homework assignments I gave the people in the group, there were men and women, was that they had to do any or all of the following things. Go to um, happy hour with someone of the opposite sex who is a friend and scout out people for each other and go up to someone if you're a woman for example and go up to another woman and say look I'm with that guy down there he's a really nice guy and you seem like a really nice person he seems interested in you would you like to meet him scout for each other have fun with it secondly make a pact with yourself that when you go out and just do your normal errands, whatever, that you will talk to someone who interests you of the opposite sex, not just hello. I mean, think how easy it is in a grocery store. Hey, have you ever had these grapes before? Or, you know, what do you think of this? You think this would go together? Just strike up a conversation. People want to be talked to. The other thing you can do is go to an event that interests you, but you can't leave until you've gone up to at least three people who look interesting or strike your, is your fancy, as they say, and strike up a conversation. And if you don't know how to start the conversation, you can say this. I just came from this radio show that I was listening from, or I just came from this single support group. And they said that I had to go up to someone who looked like someone who was of value and had some greater depth to them. And that just really, I just get that vibe from you. Nobody's going to turn you down. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of times I do try that and they call the manager, but that's <laughs> no after, way. That's after I follow them out to the car, I probably shouldn't follow them out to the car. That's right. I would think not. Yeah. Um, now should career, uh, come first or love come first for somebody? I mean, in terms of trying to find happiness, I think it's hard enough just to find a career that you love or that satisfies you in terms of the context of your life. Is, is there a first or second on that, or is it just get whichever one you can <laughs> as soon as you can? Well, you know, sometimes career has to come first. You know, um, education that requires lots of years, like medical school or law school is always, you know, three to four years, that kind of thing. That you, you can't fool with too much. But, you know, I think life is filled with so many wonderful surprises that you've got to be careful about setting up arbitrary rules. So you kind of have to be open to both. Okay. Now, the male-female dynamic has changed so much. I am a huge old TV guy. I mean, I, I probably have the entire 1950s on DVD. And you watch these old programs, and they are horribly, horribly chauvinist. Um, and that whole dynamic has changed. Of, I mean, I actually saw an episode of Dick Van Dyke the other night where Laura was going, well, Rob, you're the man. And so I know you're in charge. And I'm just going, gee, what planet are these people from? How has the whole dynamic between men and women and the equality of women uh, in the workplace, especially, how has that changed the whole dynamic, uh, especially for women? Oh, that's a whole show in itself. But let me tell you how that played out in my research findings. Okay. You asked me before, and I didn't answer it, something about what do women fear? Was that one of the questions? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they fear making a mistake. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they enter into a flip cycle 
which kind of has to do with those issues of, you know, gender equality and, and the new woman and the new relationship. And it doesn't matter because it's a cycle where you enter the circle, but it often begins with a woman who is in a powerful position or makes a lot of money or has a pretty much guaranteed climb up the ladder of whatever she's doing. And she chooses one of two kinds, one of three kinds of men. The first kind of man is someone who's a good match for her. The second is, and I should correct myself, there is no such thing that women should rely on as a kind of man. Her eyes should be more focused on the pattern of her relationship. So I'm going to correct myself and say that the first pattern that they tend to fall into is choosing a man who is more pliable, more easygoing, because these are women who like to be in charge. They feel that control is the way to happiness and no surprise unhappy endings. And that's what you mean by a good match. Well, no, a good match is one that has flexibility okay. and that you can um, take turns in dividing up what you're good at, what you're in charge of, that you can spend time together gotcha. and apart. That's a good match. More of an equal. Yeah. And flexibility is the key word. But one of the mistakes that women make is that they choose a man who easily falls into a skewed pattern where she's too much in charge and he gives up too much control. Now, some of these relationships work, but they tend not to be flexible. And usually what happens, a crisis occurs in the woman's life, usually health-related or the loss of someone or perhaps changes in her job where she needs to rely on her man more. But uh-oh, she discovered that she chose a very pliable pattern of a choice of partner, someone who goes along to get along. His main attribute is that he's easy to talk to and very nurturing. But these often are relationships where the man isn't flexible or secure enough to take charge and help make decisions and be a real support. These are the men who often are all thumbs if you get ill. Well, that and, and even if somebody is uh, based their relationship on their ability to satisfy the other person, sort of sublimated their own take chargeness, if you will, um, that is going to train them to not take charge. In other words, even yeah. if they want to at some point, they don't have the tools or the training to do it, even if they wanted to. And I've seen this a million times. They sort of bumble around looking busy rather than getting things done. And they fear rocking the boat because the rules have been set. Mm -hmm. That's why flexibility is so key to good matches. It isn't so much who you choose. And I, I'm sorry I use the word type. I, I hate making that mistake because I don't want to imply that you should look for a type. You want to look for your pattern. But so what happens to women who get disappointed or feel suffocated because they discover the man needs too much help in this relationship, they make the mistake then of flipping that and getting into a relationship pattern where they go with a man who they think has an air of authority. These are usually movers and shakers, leaders in their town, successful entrepreneurs. And trust me, there is nothing wrong with that kind of man, you know, type A personalities. There's nothing so-called wrong with them. The wrongness lies in when the women misread these men and are shocked to find that they've become authoritarian and that they've given up too much control. Uh-huh. Now, I, uh, 
have a question based exactly on what you just said, because I, for years and years and years, have worked in the media, uh, and I tend to meet a lot of women who are very powerful and that are very in control of their careers and have moved up the ladder and things like that. And when they express an interest in dating or whatever, uh, the, the thing that I have found is that they're very uh, aggressive about wanting to change behavior. They're, they're, I won't go as far as to say manipulative across the board, although that's a little element of it. And th- that brings about my question. I'm all about compromise. I'm all about not too much, but I mean, I'll, I'll give a little. You have to. How much should a person have to change for a relationship? Where's the, where's the boundary line on that? Well, you shouldn't can't change who you are in terms of your um, good qualities, but the problem arises when you feel that you're being criticized for things that of themselves are not necessarily bad. A, a kiss of death in a relationship is when someone wants to change another person or when they rely on criticism, sarcasm, and always that wagging finger at you to get you motivated to change. Those are tells in a relationship. So those things aren't good. The key to good, healthy relationships, in addition to flexibility, is that you're both good problem solvers who respect and empathize with the other person's viewpoint. So if you can do that, then you can back away from having to change or criticize them or to compromise and settle. Yeah, I... I got to look in the mirror on that one. I'm, I, I have so few in a relationship. I have so few, uh, boundary lines. I'm pretty much, okay, this is our house and every room in it is yours except my office. And that's the room that I, that's mine. And then the rest of it's yours and do whatever you want. I don't care. Burn it down. Set it. I don't care. But if they start going, what if we put the sewing machine in this room? Then I get really sarcastic. That's bad. Yeah. yeah. Now, and, th- and that's a tell too there, Tom. That tells that you're uncomfortable being assertive out of fear, perhaps of some kind. I don't know, but that's not a good strategy. Oh, no, you no. I'm, I'm very good at the assertive part because I'm really laid back because I really don't care. I feel, I feel like, um, well, if this is our house and I don't care and I've furnished it and whatever else you want, that's, that's kind of your thing. Go ahead and do it. Now my room is all mine and that's where we'll make the agreement. Is that cool? Is everything fine? But then when someone says, Hey, I'd like to do something, then I get very assertive and then I get really borderline. I thought we had a deal here. Uh-huh. No, you, okay. you can do the rest of the place. However you, I mean, I've given you the entire universe, but this one 12 by 12 space and right. yet you can't respect that. I, uh, yeah, so that's evil. That's bad. I shouldn't probably do that. But um. well, here's a way you can do it. Here's a way. Um, it's a technique to use that helps solve lots of problems, particularly when the partners are skewed like the way you're talking, your opposite mm-hmm. ends. So what you're going to do is sit down with your partner and you are going to pretend that you are in your partner's mind and you're going to talk in the first person And let's use your example of, you know, taking over a room and you're going to get into your partner's mind and you're going to say something like, I need this space 
because I have a new project and it's very important to me. And you know that I came from a family that really, you know, put the kibosh on anything new I did. And one of the reasons I really like you, Tom, is that you give me lots of room. And I didn't realize I was taking too much. It just was so important to me. I thought that I could. And you know that I came from a family that never applauded anything. I never even had, you know, a tiny bed to myself. I slept with my sister and and, and her cats all the time. And so this is why I thought I could take this space. Now, do you see how you're beginning to understand your partner by I, speaking as though you are she? I do, but I didn't realize my partner was in David Copperfield. This poor girl. <laughs> I feel bad for her now. She's got nothing. I, but you I, do know about your partner uh, and, and the yeah, more you yeah. can demonstrate that you can empathize and then you have her talk as you have her say, you know, I've been a pretty reasonable guy. I'm a pretty much go along to get along. Don't have a lot of rules. I came from a family that had lots of conflict. I hated it. It made me feel unsteady. Wow. And I found that just going along with things was a safer way, except I felt like I was robbed of having any kind of personal space emotionally or physical in my house. And this is my territory. I want it. Can I even have this? Yeah. You see, if your partner can understand that, then what happens is the um, strife between the two of you goes down, the antagonism and, and sarcasm goes down, and you begin to work towards a shared solution. That's so mature and so not like me. You know, I do say, though, that... Um, when uh, you see, I I have so few rules, and it's not because uh, that I don't care about other things in the world. It's like these are the things that are really important to me. These are the deal breakers right here, and there's three of them or whatever there is. And then after that, it's just I, I want happiness. It's like, well, what's going to make us happy? What's the happy place? What's the you know where, what can we all agree on? Um, I believe. Tell me if this is wrong. Because I've got, like I said, I'm old. So I've got friends that have been divorced and all that. Uh, I believe that the reason all relationships fail, not, not if you boiled it down and really boiled it down, it would be that the two people in the relationship have differing expectations of what the relationship should be. Is that right or wrong? It's one of the main factors. And, you know, there shouldn't be too many deal breakers. You know, the main ones are, are we going to have children? Are we not going to have children? Where are we going to live? How much money can we spend? Those are the deal breakers. Are we going to have bi-coastal relationships? Where are we going to be? Who's going to be working towards getting us together in the same city? Those are the kinds of things to worry about right up front. But expectations, you know, if you are able to accept who you are and build in some flexibility... And if you are able to read people, you tend not to have that kind of problem. Uh, what problem? You mean the uh, expectations problem? I yes. agree 100%. I mean, if, if I am dating someone, as I remember back, back into the 2000s uh, when, I, when I was last dating, um, the, the thing that I would say is if I look back on the the pantheon of poor misbegotten women that have had the misfortune seriously though if i talk to somebody about the future of a relationship and i don't mean in abstract terms i mean in hey this is going somewhere where do you want to see it go where what if this is if we're together next year what's that world look like if they can't or don't want to do that it's probably not going to work right 
Yes, that's right. You're in different desires, different goals. So why don't you find that out near the very beginning? Exactly. Exactly. Um, now, have you ever walked out on a date? Once. Why did you do that? What was the... Um, he got very aggressive sexually on a first date. I mean, it's a really sad story. I got fixed up with this person. And... Um, we were a blind date and he began talking about how wonderful he was. He was a football player in college. And in the middle of the dinner, he grabbed my wrist and said, I'm spending a lot of money on you. Oh, and if man. you don't agree to be with me tonight, do you see this knuckle? Do you know what I can do with those knuckles? And so I said, Oh, that's fine. Don't worry. It's, there's no antagonism between us. I understand perfectly. And I said that to calm him down. Uh -huh. And then I said, sounds like we're going to have a really great time tonight. Just let me go to the restroom. <laughs> I, got, I got up from the table. I went to the maitre d'. I got his phone. I said, stay with me until the cab comes and I'm going home. Well, good for you. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand 90% of American football players anyway, but... Um, uh, I had an epiphany watching television one night and I was watching, this is going to sound weird. I was, you, you know, the actor Rod Steiger. Sure. Okay. Um, he was being interviewed. He's no longer with us, but he was being interviewed and he said something that I have never forgotten. And I, I believe it wholeheartedly to the core of my soul. And that is, he said, I've never had sex with a woman who didn't know we were going to before I did. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And it's like, look, I'm a guy. I am biologically wired to probably want to have sex more than the average female. Uh, most women are probably smart enough to know this. And, and when they get the idea that they would like to have sex, they're pretty good at letting you know. Although I have had some girls yell at me for not, you know, trying anything sooner. But. That, that that I don't understand that I'm on a first date. I'm going to be this way. It's like, that's a good way to go to jail. You know, so many women don't know if they want to have sex right away. They're ambivalent or the opposite side of the coin is they have sex too soon out of anxiety, out of desperation, out of um, fear that if they don't land this guy with sex, then then they, do, they don't get a chance to get the brass ring. That's why I like undate dates. So sex does not get automatically set up. And it should just be something that you tell yourself. I'm secure enough. I don't have to rush the relationship. Okay. Well, there, here's a couple questions that I saw on your website that I thought were amazing love victory which i don't know if that means it's a victory for love or you just love winning or both but it's a great website lovevictory.com and one of the questions is it's the harry met sally question can a man and a woman really have a platonic relationship and i love your answer by the way 
It's no, it's, it's, it's yo and, and, and ness on that <laughs> one. Okay. That's what it is. You know, sometimes you don't know what your feelings are. Just like in that movie, when Harry met Sally, they, they weren't even mindful enough of their own selves and feelings and reactions to know that they had feelings. So that's how it gets all scrambled to begin with. I think if men and women were to start with mindfulness, what am I feeling about this date? What are my expectations? What can I do to um, be in charge of what I'm observing. Can I turn my observer button on and pick up signs about who this man or woman is about? If you started with that, you'd have less problems knowing whether this was going to be platonic or whether one person was going to feel platonic and the other was stuck with longing. It's it's really a tough call. And a lot of women say, you know, I didn't even like him in the beginning, but then I found that I fell in love with him. And that happens more often than you think. And that has a lot to do with not knowing who they are, what their needs are, and their fear of getting hurt. Well, and also we live in this society right now that's so incredibly lack of impulse control driven. I mean, everything's short attention span theater uh, in business and in life, and I would assume in love, although I'm, I'm not that good at it, you know, really it's the long-term behavior of people that will define them. I mean, I have had numerous encounters in business or in life where I met somebody and, and through no fault of our own, we were either adversaries on a sports field or in a business setting or anything else. And you, you go into those things and you, you say, ah, we don't get along. This person doesn't like me. I understand why they don't like me. And I want to change that, but I, there's no switch for that. It's, it's going to take a long period of constantly demonstrating that I do what I say I'm going to do and that you can trust me. And that doesn't happen in most male-female relationships anymore either. It's everything has to happen right this second rather than, you know, bide your time and see where this person acts over time, you know. It used to be that if you had sex with someone too soon, you felt very badly about it. You felt like you didn't know each other, that you rushed it. Um, sometimes women um, allowed themselves to feel the discomfort of feeling that I sort of cheapened myself. And it used to be that having sex too soon created the greatest anxiety. Now things are upside down especially for women who are the gatekeepers. They're the ones who say yes or no, whether there's going to be sex or not. Otherwise, it's called rape. So what women are doing now is they can't withstand the anxiety of how to get intimate, how to know someone. Sex becomes easier than getting close to someone emotionally. And that's totally upside down. I'm not talking about ethics or religious biases or rules or guidelines. I'm talking about what you're talking about. Having sex too soon is a tell about not having taken charge of your own emotional needs, your own emotional management. Having sex too soon is a sign of needing to connect too hastily, not to be rejected, not to be cared for, not to be liked. And actually, it produces just the opposite often of what you want, because nobody knows who you are. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'll just say you nailed it. I, I agree. Um, I have a thing that's happened on a couple occasions in my life where I have had to, <laughs> and, and hopefully you won't tell me I'm a jerk for doing this, but I have had to remind my partner 
that um, if we only have sex when you want to, that's not. And I've had to say things like, do you really think that when you came home after that night out with your girlfriends, barely able to walk, smelling like a an ashtray that I was going, oh, yeah, baby, let's go. No, you wanted that. And I, you know, was 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 accommodating. But but uh, no, it was not on my top of my list of yeah, 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 let's go. Um, I think that that is an important like discussion and boundary to say, Hey, look, this is, there's two people here. Uh, You know, that's disrespectful sex to yourself and to your partner and to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Again, we've come to a point in our culture for many women that it is easier to have sex with a stranger than it is to allow yourself to get known. That should not be that way. It should be the other way around that you spend time on a date getting to know each other and that the bridge to having sex is a long and high one, that it's harder to make that decision because then you're activating much deeper levels of intimacy. And I find that in the couples who I have seen, probably have seen 10,000 couples in my life, they often talk about how they wish they had slowed down the sex too soon. So what do you do on a date? How do you put a kibosh on that and slow it down? Again, don't put yourself in a compromising position. If you want to keep the date going and stay up late, you know, hotel lobbies are open till real late. So are bars. Go there and talk. You don't have to go back to each other's place. Diner, coffee shop. Diner, yeah. There's lots of fun places to go. The other thing you can do is run the movie of the person's life. Get a snapshot of what life with this person might be like. This is what employees do, employers do, when they want to interview a person to see if they will fit in their company. They don't just ask them, where'd you go to school and how long have you worked for the Acme Tool and Die Company? They want to know what you're like. And so they ask you behavioral questions like, give me an example of how you solved a problem. Give me an example of where you didn't solve a problem as well as you thought it worked. Tell me how you hired a person. Tell me how you fired a person. Well, you need to do those same kinds of things with your date. And here are some questions to ask them. Run me a movie of what it's like in your life in a week. And don't pretty it up because I'll know you're telling lies once we get to know each other. (laughs) So is your place a mess or is it, you know, totally neat and a place for everything? Um, Is there laundry on the floor? Is everything super folded up with every crease? Do you eat tuna fish out of the can? You know, do you have mixed mass dishes? Do you have, you know, a mishmash of stuff in your sink? Are your clothes all wrinkled? What does your bed look like? Have Have your sheets not been changed in a month? You know, these are fun things to ask. Run the movie. Do you come home, kick off your shoes, change your clothes, and to hang out around the house clothes and watch reruns of your favorite comedy shows? You know, be honest. What do you do with your time? Are you on social media all the time? Do you um, eat a whole bag of chips at once and then at midnight eat something sensible? Run the movie. What's it like to be with you? Is the sports channel always on? Or, you know, what do you do with your time? Well, uh, I agree with you on the uh, disrespectful sex. However, as as disrespectful experiences go, one of the best. (laughs) Um, the other thing is that, uh, I have a little bit of a, you know, because I do what I do. There's certain, I mean, I'm an open book. I learned a long time ago. It takes way too much memory brain power than I have to lie about things. So I'm just 
brutally honest at all times. And then I do this show. So there's a, a relatively 25 year record of things I've said. I'm not, I can't hide from everything. Um, and I have a lot of people approach me that, you know, bring all that to the table and I have a difficult time judging, okay, does this person like me or do they like what they hear on the radio or wherever else? Um, and then I run into this problem and I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll just go through a quick 30 second. Uh, I was engaged to a girl two times uh, with a 10 year gap. I mean, just fell in love with her in junior high school. We went to high school together, went off to college, met at our five-year reunion, last of the great romances. And then we broke up and then back together again. And both times the, the breakup issue was the parents. She had extremely old money parents that were just massively controlling. And, you know, she wasn't good at going, well, no, I parents, you can't control this much of the life. Uh, and you have a whole thing called meeting the parents, a guide for meeting his or her parents. Please, can you give us the guide to meeting the parents? Because I think it's crucial. Um, I've, I've learned that it's crucial. I personally don't care what the parents think. I care what my partner thinks. And if what her parents think is important to her, then it's important to me. What you just described is a classic example of over loyalty to the parents. She could not break the rule in her family as to what they expected of her. Because if she broke that rule, she would feel unloved and unaccepted by her parents. And that's a an adult form of feeling abandoned. You know, the number one fear of all humans is abandonment, that someone won't be there for you, that they're not reliable. And so whatever reasons, whatever her family life was like, whatever way she would explain it, her behavior shows that her family and their pressure and her need to be loved by them and connected to them was more important that she couldn't break that loyalty bond. Wow. That's going to leave a mark. Okay. So, uh, I can't tell you how much I have just enjoyed talking to you about all of this. You clearly should have your own show if you don't already. Um, I both hate it and love it when I have guests on that are better at speaking than I am. So we already have a love hate relationship. Um, we don't want that, but I didn't answer your, I didn't answer your question. Let me answer it better. All right. What, what should you do when you've got to meet the parents? Here are some important tips. Number one, do your homework, learn from your partner, what her parents dislike and like. Don't ever go in there talking about money, religion, or politics. Those are taboo, even if you're on the same page, because everyone has their variations. So put that off the table for a while. Get prepared. Secondly, find common ground between what your partner tells you about her parents or his parents. Find something you can connect to. If you can't connect to it, learn about their hobbies, their interests, so you can go there asking about it. Learn the rules of the family. Is the family formal? Are they not formal? Are they more relaxed? So that when you show up, you're dressed in the style of the family style. And then hang out with them. You know, hang out in the kitchen, the family room. Do something together to help. Maybe it's, you know, put the chicken on the spit or set the table or whatever it is. And usually you have other people around you, aunts, uncles, siblings, kids, so that you can kind of hang out and feel relaxed with them. Those would be very, very important things to do. The other thing you want to do is to reassure the parents 
about your good qualities. You might want to say, I want to tell you about me. I love your daughter. I want you to know that I'm this kind of person or that kind of person. And you really, really want to let them know what you're like. Awesome. Well, uh, this was like Downton Abbey meets Roseanne. It was I just, it probably wasn't destined for the beginning. We've already taken up too much of your time. However, we do a little thing called the lightning round where we ask you some really fast questions to end things up. If, if you're brave enough, uh, sure, go ahead. You, you and this has not gone on too long. This oh, is terrific. Oh, great. Um, and you're welcome back anytime, uh, when we have religious crisis, uh, sorry, relationship crisis or Thank religious you. crisis. Um, here we go. Uh, what's the first car you ever had? Um, the first car I ever had was a, a Valiant, a, a used, beat-up Valiant. That is correct. The first <laughs> album you ever bought with your own money? Um, you're going to laugh at this one, but it was um, Bent Fabric. Um, um, what was that song called? Um, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Silk Cat or something like that. Tom, I can't remember. It was a, It's jazz, what it is. That is correct. What did you do on your very first date? Uh, we went for a walk on the beach to just hang out and walk, and my um, husband stepped on a bee. <laughs> Sorry, that's he said, not he, said he, he said he got stung twice. Oh, that is that is awesome, uh, and that is correct. What's the most romantic movie you've ever seen? Oh, I like so many movies. I like tearjerkers that are from World War II. I'm a sucker to anything about World War II. So something like Mrs. Miniver, anything. Um, Casablanca is my all-time favorite movie. Okay, that is correct. Do you prefer jewelry or chocolate? Jewelry. That is correct. When they make the Dr. Leslie Beth Wish story into a major motion picture, who will play you? Uh-oh, that's a really hard one. Um, probably an actress with great depth and range, and I love Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, uh, that is correct. Maybe a Helen Hunt, a younger Helen Hunt, I'm thinking. Anyway, no, had, um, is that not, you don't like Helen Hunt? No, I just, I like the range of Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, I also like... Um, Helen won an Academy Award, you know. I know she's yeah. just she's she's just got a great range. She's a natural actress. I really enjoy watching her perform. Oh. My favorite actress of all time, though, is Teresa Wright. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Cool. I like her. I like her combination of strength and sensitivity. All right. Well, that is correct. The wor- well, I don't even think I have to ask you the worst date you've ever had because you pretty oh. much explained it. Didn't that you? was the worst. Yeah. That was absolutely the worst. I was actually when I by the time I got home, I was shaking. Yeah, you know, that's one if it ever happened to my sister, me and the brothers would have to pay that guy a visit. He um, was a big dude. Uh six five myself. They're an American football player alive that can anyway. Um I'm sure karma got him later on. I uh, hope so. The first concert you ever went to. Oh, I was very young. I was in opera. I, I grew up on opera. So it wasn't, it was a, an opera that I went to. Do you know? La Traviata. Oh, La oh, Traviata. Okay. Cool. At, the, at the time, the Metropolitan Opera traveled to other major cities. And at the time, I was living in Cleveland, Ohio, which has a wonderful concert hall. Mm-hmm. And I got to see La Traviata. And I just fell in love with opera. I'm a, a Carmen guy. But oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the Toreador song is just, who can't? I mean, I, could, I, I play that while I comb my hair. 
Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, and Cleveland. Uh, lived there myself. Played a little soccer in Cleveland for a while. Well, then you know they have a great symphony and a great art museum. They have a great everything in Cleveland. It's a much more uh, sophisticated town than it gives than it gets credit for. What is your number one piece of advice for men and women on Valentine's Day? Be yourself. Be considerate. Um, if you're single, don't panic. Um, have an unvalentine day party, invite all your friends, have them have single friends who come so you can celebrate being single. Don't have false expectations. Don't get caught up in the commercialism of it. And if you don't know what to do and you want to have a, a, a really important date, do something for charity. Go to a children's hospital, give back. That's the best way to feel close to someone and to beat the blues. Oh, that is great advice. That is correct. Dr. Leslie Beth Wish. And her website is lovevictory.com. Go there, read everything she's written, ask her a question, do whatever you need to do because she's got all of the answers. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. And I would just say we would love to have you back again. That is a great invitation. I appreciate it. And I just want to remind your listeners that Almost all these tips came from my research with, you know, thousands of women. And you can find lots of research and lots of self-help tips in my book, Smart Relationships, which is on my website, lovevictory.com. And it's, um, I love the title, Smart Relationships, but I also love the subtitle, which is how successful women can find true love. Yes, because successful women, as I said in the very beginning of your show, often have the problems of being smart about love and they're not. And so I hope this show helped them get some tips and there's a lot more in the books. Okay. More where that came from. Thank you again, Dr. Wish. Thank you for having me. I I love listening to your stories and your questions, Tom, were absolutely really, really intelligent questions. Hi, I'm Tom Gully, host of the Tom Gully show. And I'm here to talk to you about email. Uh, We love getting email here at the show, and although we get a goodly amount, uh, don't get me wrong, we could always use more. So we'd like you to send in your questions about the show and anything else. Hey, boss, I got this one, you know, forget about it. Oh, hi, Vinny. Uh, Folks, Vinny here does stuff for the show without being asked uh, from time to time. Vinny, what's your take on getting more people to email Tom at thetomgullyshow.com? Okay, what we do is we go out and we get a little baby, you know, a cute little baby. Then, if we don't get enough email within about five minutes, we take a pair of pliers and a blowtorch and we slowly peel the little baby's face off. Oh, no, 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 good Christ, no. We're, we're not doing something like that. What, what makes you think something like that could even work? Well, it works when you use a pregnant chick instead of a little baby. Folks, we'd appreciate it if you'd send your emails to Tom at TomGullyShow.com.
to thank Dr. Leslie Beth Wish for all her great advice and observations. Please go to her site, lovevictory.com, for winning tips on your love life and get that book, Smart Relationships, too. I mean, I think this woman is so brilliant, she might be able to help me find somebody. Yeah, probably on the nicked and dented, smoke damage, floor demo, factory second relationship area. But still, at this point, any you know anything. Uh, folks, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully Show, not me, but the show on Facebook, too, if the mood strikes you. And, of course, there's always the TomGullyShow.com. That's where you can find everything about the show. And that includes the Tom Gully Show store with all that great stuff that actually pays for me to be able to bring you this incredible entertainment you can never hope to generate on your own. Get it? You know, so buy something. Get a shirt, get something. Uh, and you can always subscribe to iTunes and get this podcast for free. And if it's free, it's for me. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka so I can increase my clout and cred ratings because if I get enough points, we're all going to go to the aces. That'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later. Each night, Jay Johnson brings us into this show with the truth wagon. Go on out to jjohnsonmusic.com. Buy everything that's there after you get one of my T-shirts. Um, we're going to take you out as usual with Catch-22 Blues by the Hitman Blues Band. Go check them out, too, hitmanbluesband.com. And we will see you next time. Happy Valentine's Day. Well, the bucket lifts a twig for a dog that's nothing big, but he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat A raccoon can do all that But he don't want to And I dream of you at night While you hold your baby tight But he don't want you You can see it in his eyes From the way he tells you